This film has been classified 18. An 18 film will certainly have an adult theme and might well contain strong scenes of sex or violence, which could be quite graphic, and the whole family might well enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the film. And welcome to episode three of the Totally Insane Tape Show. I'm Boo Lamont. And I'm Dino Peppers. And once again, we're here to bring you the very best and the very worst of cult cinema. That's, that, that's a fine introduction. <laughs> um, I was going to suggest to you that you do your, we bring you the hits, that what we, we're here to bring you the, what you said last time that was really good for your intro. <laughs> Sorry, um, we're here to bring you the, the hits. Let me do my scripted one. Yeah, the hits, the stunnings, but most importantly, the tits of, of the blubber. Hello and welcome to the long-awaited third instalment of the Totally Insane Tape Show, the podcast where we discuss the hits, the shits, and most importantly, the tits of the movie world. I'm your crucifix-wielding crusader of light, Dino Peppers, and I'm joined by the cape-wearing creature of the night. Yeah, Boulamon, if you're going to continue to shame me with your fantastic introductions, Mr. Peppers, I'm literally just going to just start shutting up. And uh, that won't make for an interesting podcast. But yes, it's episode three of the Totally Insane Tape Show. Um, it's been a while, but as a good friend of mine says, we're back in style. It's going to be an interesting episode. Uh, it's themed, um, as we said on the last episode, we suggested to each other that we watch a couple of Vampires in Space movies. Space, space, space. space, space. <laughs> yes, and like the Defenders of the Earth. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that reference even is going to go. I don't know why I was thinking Defenders of the Earth. What is wrong with me? <laughs> why can't I? I'm not normal. Um, right, hold on. You're a script. I'm just, I'm too confident. And then like, but you can only, you should only really be confident at things you're good at. <laughs> and you're not good at intros. Uh, Cue music. This is the Tits Podcast, episode three. Uh, on the last episode of the Totally Insane Tape Show, uh, Dean recommended to me that we watch the uh, sci-fi futuristic Dracula 3000. And uh, <clears throat> and the film that I suggested for us both to watch was a movie that I've been looking forward to watching for some time and hadn't before uh, reviewing it for this show. I've seen it now. It's Tobe Hooper's Life Force. So before we get started on any of the main movies that we chose to watch uh, in the last few weeks, Dean, have you seen anything worth mentioning uh, on this week's episode? Well, actually, yeah, there's a couple of things, uh, mainly TV shows uh, you've uh, recommended to us, actually. Inside Number 9 and The History of Horror with Mark Gattis. It's like a League of Gentlemen double bill there. Someone's been listening to a certain other podcast by the sound yeah. of it. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Inside Number 9 was really, really good. And I suppose it does count as totally insane tape show material because it is very much based 
around the old British horror films and thrillers of the, of the kind of 60s and 70s. And it is really well written. Each episode is a self-contained episode with a twist, and the twist is always excellent. I don't, I don't know whether you caught the last episode, um, the one about uh, yeah. the, the babysitter. Yeah, that, that was... I think, yeah, th- th- yeah we could <laughs> talk about that ad nauseum, but we highly recommend you check out Inside Number 9. And, of course... Uh, a History of Horror with Mark Gattis. The yeah, there's a lot of films in that's mentioned that one I want to actually check out now. And the whole Hammer Horror stuff I've never actually watched, which I feel quite ashamed to admit. I've never actually watched any Hammer Horror films. What a beautiful segue. Um, because of Inside Number 9 and uh, the Horror with Mark Gattis series, in the last few weeks I've gone back and watched... Um, well, years ago I, st- I caught a film on, um, on a British channel I was going to say the name of the channel. It doesn't really matter if international listeners are, are listening. In the UK, it would, be, it would have been Channel 4. Um, and it was a... I caught the majority of a horror film. Uh, it was an anthology, which I'm obsessed with. Um, anyone that knows me knows I'm, I'm massively obsessed with horror anthologies. Um, and it, the framing device was it was Peter Cushing playing an antiques dealer. And each person that kind of wronged the antiques dealer, they, they would buy or steal an antique and something would happen to them with the item. Um, and now these were all made by the Amicus Studios, and two of the standout ones was the one I was just talking about from Beyond the Grave. That was the Peter Cushing one about the antique shop, and the other one was the British version of the comic, the old horror comic books, Tales from the Crypt. These were both made in the early seventies, and um, it's all Hammer Fair. It's uh, Peter Cushing, uh, Christopher Lee. Um, it's all the classic British um, characters, and of course, uh, it's really weird. It's got people. Uh, like Terry Thomas and uh, Diana Dawes, like really, just a real eclectic mix of British actors. Highly recommended. And if you haven't seen Hammer Horror films, they are perfect starters because they are a few stories within themselves. Um, highly recommend you check out some of the Amicus anthology movies. This is where the temptations begin. Unlimited temptations. Can I help you at all? I'll tell you what, I'll give you 25 quid to get rid of it. It's a deal. Each concealing a horrendous nightmare that reaches out from the dark world that lies beyond the grave. Uh, any, anything else caught your eye in the like uh, in the in the recent? Well, yeah, going from the, like, the classic to the the, the modern day uh, horror genre, I'm guessing you can call it. It's actually something that said in Mark Gatiss's History of Horrors about the progression of horror films stopped at the when they made Halloween, it's like 1980s, and anything after that just kind of rehashing and just you know just not nothing original anymore. And this is kind of a series of films I watched because I saw in the um, on the Titter feed as we call them that, that oh, yes now. the Titter feed that's yes. at Tits podcast <clears throat> some shit movie news there's going to be a new wrong turn film there is going to be a new wrong turn film and, it, and it's completely yeah. necessary as well yeah yeah because you know that, that <laughs> story uh, do you know how many wrong turn films there have been at all I would really hope like two or three yeah they're making number six so it has the same amount of films as the Star Wars story. Yes, yes, it's it's got to film number six. So <laughs> I challenge myself to actually watch all five of the films. The things you do for the, for the listeners of this podcast. I mean, we yeah. do watch some shit, but that's that's dedication, my friend. I mean, you, the first one was it two thousand and three, I think it was. And this, this was like quite. You see, I remember when the first one came out because oh, I did this the other day. 
the actress that played Faith in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Elijah Dushku, yeah. Elijah Dushku, thank you. She was the star, if you will, of the first one, and then I that was the last I heard of that series. Yeah, that was kind of a big selling point for me, so like into Joss Whedon, Buffy. She was in it, it's like, yeah, cool. Anything she's in a vest stop running around is a bonus, really. But yeah, it's it's a decent film. The first one, the second one's got Henry Rollins in it, and that's based around uh, it reality TV, and that's actually quite entertaining. That's even better than the first one, I reckon. That's Rollins actually like a things. good. That's a pretty cool premise. Yeah, it's like um, they're in the woods doing a survival exercise. It's reality TV, and all the cameras are set up, and they've got cameras around the heads, and they're sort of getting taken out one by one. And you got like Henry Rollins playing a mad um, boot camp instructor type deal. I think we can call him friend of the show, Henry Rollins, as we're both massive fans. We've, we've been in his presence. Yeah. I suppose that counts. Yeah, big Henry Rollins fans over here. Yeah, but any film he's in really is kind of bottom of the barrel actor-wise. Maybe he admits that. <laughs> but yeah, it's actually a really good film. And then he gets to the third one, which, um, yeah. <laughs> this is where it gets bad. And just the whole series, like, you don't know why they're getting sequels. I mean, the first one made money back. It's quite good. Second one's entertaining. It's a straight-to-DVD thing, but it's still pretty good. It made its money back. The third film, I don't know what happened in the meantime, mm. between two and three, because the special effects have got to the point where the main bad guy looks like or an off-cast of the Troll 2 a film. That's a callback to episode one of the Totally Insane Tape Show. Yeah, it actually looks like one of those Troll masks. Wow. That's what the main bad guy looks like. The massive drop in quality and just the writing is Tommy Wiseau levels. They only call back to the first episode. <laughs> but yeah, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's like the third film, prisoners getting their bus overturned and then they're out in the woods and they find some money and then they're getting taken out one by one. And it's like, oh God, it's really bad. Then the fourth one gets even worse. Whereas the third film is loads of guys, the fourth one's all women. And the end of the film of both of them essentially... They get some people out of there, and it's like, oh, they're going to live. And then, just pre-credits, they all die. It's like, what's the point in watching this film? <laughs> it's like, you, you care about them very little, but there's like, okay, you got away. And then they come back, and it's like, oh, they die. And then you get the fifth film, which is just, ugh. You look at the cast list, and it's like, there's one person from Hollyoaks. There's a person from Hollyoaks? Yeah. There's a um, person from Hollyoaks, a person from Holby City, a couple of American randoms, and then Doug Bradley. Oh, Doug Bradley. What are you doing in... Just just for the international uh, tits fans, um, Hollyoaks and Holby City, they're basically like the days of our lives, like those really poor, poor, badly acted soaps um, that we have to endure over here in the UK as well. Hollyoaks being a particularly bad one. Um, So to see any of these people in a film dying and being murdered, should appeal, but then you remember you've actually got to watch them act as well. Um, it's, well that's it. it's like the second film has that whole idea of no, Final Destination 3 was you hate these people and they're all dicks, and the only reason you watch it is to see them die in really elaborate ways. And you think, like, okay, this is what they're going for. The second one's like that. And then the third one, just they move into Saw territory where it's like graphic killings and. Yeah, that's, and, uh, is it tor- torture porn style? Yeah, it's like hostile Saw. Yeah. So they've gone through genres a little bit there. Or the horror genre, at least. And then the fifth one's just like, I, I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> I mean, Doug Bradley's in as the hillbilly mutant psycho's leader now. So he's obviously going to be the sixth one. And it's just, yeah. And yet he won't do any dodgy Hellraiser sequels. <laughs> yeah, he'll do that. Mr. Bradley, if you're listening, come back to Hellraiser. We miss you. Yeah. 
But yeah, I, I'd recommend the first two, the Great Double Bill. Uh, anything else, avoid like German herpes. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Take a wrong turn and end up with herpes. Run, little girl! I'm coming to get you. If this shocks you... <laughs> if this offends you... and the majority of the world is destroyed and they, they wait out a couple of months and come back to Earth. It is, it is ridiculous, it's cheesy, and it was thoroughly entertaining. Why? Yeah, I have seen that one on Netflix and I actually quite like the look of it. It is it's definitely, it's on, it's on UK and, and I presume American Netflix. It's definitely worth tracking down. Very amusing acting and a great, and a, and a really funny story as well. They're meant to have been up in space for three months, but by the time they come back down to Earth, the entire world's devolved into cannibalism, and um, it's just ridiculous the amount of time that passes between them coming back to Earth and the amount of stuff that's happened on Earth. It's a really, as I said, it's cheesy fair, highly amusing, very entertaining, um, and one of the worst on-screen villains I've ever seen. And I don't mean in terms of, like, he was an evil bastard. The main villain is meant to be a scary, authoritarian he actually just comes across as kind of like a brat uh, and just like a teenage like brat. And it, it's really funny. Um, but that's definitely worth checking out. Um, I also uh, finally got to see a movie I have been dying to see for ages. And I, I make no bones about it. I'm a weird guy. And I really like uh, Weird, Al, Weird Al Yankovic. And uh, I've been aware of his movie, UHF for years and I've never managed to just sit down and watch it and I finally got to do it the other day and I'm so glad I did so yeah the Weird Al movie UHF it's like a series of sketches about uh, TV but it's also got a framing device of the film where the guy has inherited a, a little independent TV studio um, and they, they want to make a success so they start making their own programs and the programs are just so crazy and like poorly produced that people just buy into it Again, like a really good movie, and it's uh, kind of like it came out in 1989, so it was kind of obviously the end of the 80s, and I think it just encompasses so much 80s goodness. You've got parodies of music videos like uh, Money for Nothing. Uh, You've got parodies of movies like Rambo First Blood. You've got parodies of TV shows um, from the 80s that you would recognize, and it was just a really, like, nice film. Like, it was was almost heartfelt. You you kind of went with it. Yeah, it does sound like a... Was it uh, Be Kind Rewind? Yeah, or the Jack Black film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is kind of like that, um, where they're making their own shows. But then there are other sequences in the movie where he's daydreaming. So it's more like all of that's more professional. Like with the Rambo scene, it's one. Of, it's just such a funny scene, um, and completely takes the piss out of the eighties eighties action genre. And uh, so there's Weird Al Yankovic with like a muscle suit on, um, being fired at by all of these uh, by people with machine guns. And of course, none of them are hitting him, and he's like firing a bow and arrow. And every time an arrow hits someone, they explode. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like that kind of cheesiness. But I just it doesn't sound like the, the recent Rambo movie. 
<laughs> it's the only decent Rambo movie. No, I... <laughs> uh, the recent one is just like, cutting through people with guns. It's like, yeah, okay. Um, it was, I, I saw a weird statistic the other day. In the first Rambo movie, there's two deaths, and one of those is by accident. Yeah. The latest Rambo movie, there was something like 400 deaths. Yeah, I don't know how they got away with filming that. <laughs> I've, I've not seen the new Rambo, but I was like... How did we go from? I thought the eighties move, the eighties were meant to be like in a cheesy way more violent. If you compare RoboCop, the first RoboCop, to the new RoboCop, first one is basically like a splatter horror film. In some at some parts, especially the bit where um, Murphy gets shot to pieces by the drug gang at the beginning, and the guy drives into the toxic waste vat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the new Rambo I watched, and I was like, oh, I'm kind of used to over the top horror films, and that was oh god, it's like kids getting killed and people being set alight, and then cutting to and. Uh, I, yeah, and they got a 15, didn't it? I think it did. Is it a 15 rating? I don't know where... Yeah, I'm getting old. Uh, I, my age. I, I think... I, I don't know. Fucking kids today. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> nostalgia, eh? I remember the good old days before nostalgia. Well, hey, those kill one those person. were the days. Anyway. <laughs> but no, I really enjoyed UHF. And then, you know, mate, as I said, so UHF, DEFCON 4, the last film I saw um, doesn't count as a cult film, really. But I wanted to throw it in there because I watched it out of respect. Um, Harold Ramis obviously died last month, sadly. And his last comedy was a film called Year One, starring Jack Black and Michael Cera. Now, while he was alive, Harold Ramis, this is, while he was alive, I had read terrible reviews about this film, so I avoided it, like, very much so. But obviously, with the recent passing of Harold Ramis, I decided I would give it a reprieve. Um, I liked some of it. I like the, um, what did I like about it? <laughs> was it Jack Black being Jack Black? Oh, of course. Jack Black was Jack Black. Michael Sarah was kind of like the, the wussy guy. You've got to have, whenever there's a Jack Black, you've got to have a, a wussy guy. Maybe not a Carl Gass, because I, I see Carl Gass as, uh, as Jack's ma- mainly uh, equal. But definitely in those kind of Laurel and Hardy setups, you've got to have a, a kind of weak, skinny guy to go with the power of Jack Black. But, um, it rolled along nicely. Terrible script. Some of the jokes were funny. Jack Black stole every scene he was in. I, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't, in all good faith, recommend this to our listeners over films like Ghostbusters and um, Stripes and, um, and Caddyshack. But it does exist. Therefore, if you find yourself bored for an hour and a half and there really is nothing else to hand, why not treat yourself to year one? No. They practice discipline, timing, and movement. They hone speed into lightning reflexes. They develop muscle into incredible strength. Then they were ready for competition. The deadliest sport in the world meant big money, and big money meant the mob. But when the mob tried to muscle in on the brothers, the brothers muscled right back in spades. I don't like outsiders that come in and ask a lot of I've only got one more other one. Um, so I fall out from uh, the last show where I was looking for the uh, clips for the Black Bolt Jones trailer segments and so on. 
Next one is it one down, two to go, which is a super black exploitation team up feature. It's a follow up to the film you actually mentioned, Free the Hard Way. Okay. Yeah, it had like Jim Kelly, Jim Brown, and Fred Williamson in it, but it also had Richard Roundtree in it. Which is Motherfucking like, Shaft? Yeah. I'm talking about like Shaft. The, I can dig it. Like the four big names of black exploitation in one film. It's got to be great. Um, it was alright. Apart from Jim Kelly, everyone was uh, brandishing some of the greatest moustaches in cinema history. Yeah. That's like, yeah, it was all right. They had Fred the Hammer, Jim Brown, Jim Kelly, Richard Roundtree. My God, this! Why have I not seen this movie? Uh, well, it should be better, but yeah, I am. I am going to be watching this movie tonight. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all right. Any standout moments from two, uh, from one down two to go? It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wanted to like it more than I, I did. It was just alright. It's one of those you kind of put on, it'd be like a good double feature a free the hard way, but then you know which one's the main event and which one's the opener. Well, whenever Shaft's involved, you've got to count that as the main. You, you've got yeah, to have a- they're just not on screen together enough, and they didn't do enough. And it's just kind of, again, all right. Again, though, <laughs> uh, this brings us back to the black exploitation uh, parody, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, which also starred all of those men, uh, minus Jim Kelly, I think. Hmm. And that was in the 90s, uh, in the very, very early 90s, as far as I'm aware. I'm, I may... I'll have to reach it. I'll check that one out again. Yeah, that's I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. <laughs> and, and as we said on the last show, if you are into black exploitation at all, Get yourself a copy of Black Dynamite. <laughs> you just want me to do the sample again, don't you? That's right. <laughs> Dynamite! Dynamite! In an unknown domain of space. Any sound like? They unleashed a power that has sought vengeance for a thousand years. The lord of an unholy empire and the captain of an unsuspecting crew begin a battle that will turn the heavens into Trying to prove there is life in those old monsters yet gets taken to new levels in this 2004 TV movie set 1,000 years after Dracula 2000. This film has absolutely nothing to do with the Russ Craven film that bears a similar title. Seeing as that film was a bit of a mess, this one probably chose to put a distance of a millennia between them for a good reason. I mean, how much worse could it be? The cast list alone should inspire more confidence. Starship Troopers Casper Van Dien, Baywatch and Under Siege star Eric Elniak, Playmate of the Year, Zeus, Tiny Lister, and Coolio. Shit. Anyway, Dracula 3000 starts life on board the spaceship Mother 3, a salvage vessel captained by Abraham Van Helsing. Him and his crew are set to investigate the derelict ship Demeter, which has gone missing since leaving planet Transylvania. Do I need to read any more of this, really? We've kind of got the idea. Of what I, I think it's fair to say that um, it's Dracula in space. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, all the, all the names are pretty much uh, like Van Helsing and um, Aurora and Mina. Yes. And Demeter is a ship that took him from Transylvania to America. And of course, and of course, um, Coolio uh, as one eight seven from that classic. Um, <laughs> Classic character from the Wes Craven novel. Uh, Wes Craven, my apologies. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's Ed the fucking duck all over again. Um, <laughs> Ram Stroker's classic. Yeah. Um, Ram Stroker. Ram Stroker. Yes. Uh, I, 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 I. You want you want to go on about this? Oh, did you like it? 
sadly, with all the, with the with this kind of thing, I did enjoy it, even though the script was bad, the film was bad, the special <laughs> effects were bad, the script was bad. I said that twice because it was so bad. But I love anything with Zeus, uh, Tony Zeus Lister in it. Also, I don't know whether you knew this, but um, the captain who appears on by video at the beginning and the end of the movie was played by Udo Kier, who recently appeared in Iron Skies, which is absolutely essential, totally insane tape show viewing. If you haven't seen it, that is Nazis in space. But yeah, uh, for a TV, I knew it was a TV movie when I was watching it because it had the effects, basically Babylon 5. It was it looked like Babylon 5, but with slightly worse CG. And Babylon 5 is a big pile of shit. As we all know. Get out! <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I liked Dracula 3000. I thought Zeus Lister was great in it, and um, Julio was nuts. Um, and of course, being the only, being one of the only two black men in the in in the film in space, he was getting high on ganja all the time. Of course, again, a call back to the Bram Stoker novel there. No, I, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. Some of the script was so bad that it was instantly quotable. Um, I know that <laughs> yeah, instantly, as soon as I had heard the line, he's going to kill her. Well, he's going to titty fuck her first. I had to share that on, on Facebook. I just thought, what a script, what a tight script. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like 3,000 years in the future and... Um... You gotta think you can put a better crew together than that. Not only could you salvage mission. Not only could you put a better crew than that together for a salvage mission, but um, you would think just uh, for my next point, I have to share some of the some of the story of Dracula 3000. The Count on board, Count Orloff, comes from a planet of vampires. Now, the way that Count Orloff was dressed and acted, you would think that his world's technology stopped going in like the 1920s. Um, you've got a classic vampire in cloak and gothic outfit with white face, doing the accent in the year 3000, where everybody else is dressed in futuristic attire. And no one knows what a vampire is. Nobody knows what a vampire is, except Aurora, um, who I do remember from, was it? Was she in Under Siege 1? Yeah. She's the girl that gets her baps out in the cake, isn't she? Yeah, she got her baps out a lot. That is a tits mention on the tits podcast, and believe me, with the next film we've got coming up, it won't be the last mention. I was going to say, we haven't had any tits on the tits podcast just yet, but this week, two of them. Yes, and not, and not meaning yourself and me. Um, no, I like Dracula 3000. I would say it's worth it just for the comedy value alone. One thing I will say for the movie, though, is the end. What the fuck? It's like they couldn't think of a decent ending at all. Basically, uh, uh, this isn't a spoiler-free show, Um the ending basically involves uh, Tiny's Use Lister and, Ar- and Aurora, who is played by the playmate from whose name passes me by. Erica Elnia. It's that one. Uh, they both, uh, they're the last two surviving crew members. You've got Count Orloff banging at the door, and the spaceship is flying towards a twin sun binary system. They both reveal that neither of them can pilot the ship, even though she's a robot. But what she is programmed for, ladies and gentlemen, is sexual pleasure. So Zeus, being a man, lifts her up, throws her over his shoulder, says, you don't have to tell me twice, girl, drags her into the bedroom, and gives her a good pounding. That's all before the uh, the ship hits the twin suns and explodes, killing everyone on board. It doesn't actually hit the twin suns, it just explodes. Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't even hit it, does it? It just explodes. Yeah. This is one of those endings you go, okay. And then the post-credit scene, did you wait around for that one? What? Did you see the post-credit scene? I, I, I generally... 
don't I yeah I turned I turned it off like as soon as the credits started rolling I thought well what is what what a shit ending are well, you going to uh, tell me that's the, yeah that's the story quite a bit um uh, Zeus Tiny Lister walks on screen with Aurora still over his shoulder he slaps her ass and goes that's what I'm talking about fade to black well Zeus uh, <laughs> oh absolutely an interracial <laughs> ass slap is always a decent way to end a movie and that's what I'm talking about. Hey kids, sorry to interrupt this great show, but uh, I need to shield my shit. Um, I'm David Davis, uh, one host of the Milking It podcast, a weekly podcast that tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. We like nothing better than a natter on whatever's been going down. Do you, do you like Batman? Do, do you like wrestling? Do, do you like TV shows or gaming? Do you like movies? Of course you like movies, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to these guys, right? Well, well, join us on the Milking It podcast every week on iTunes or via facebook.com forward slash milking it. Become a milkster. Jump on board. And together with myself, Boo and Jay, we can take a peek at the Week of Geek. Join us on the Milking It podcast. Do you have a moment to talk about Jesus? I, I, I do have a moment, and, and and far be it for me to anger the fist of Jesus Christ. I've got like a love-hate affair with Kickstarter. You know, there's like, for every one good project I see, and there's ten others I see and wonder what uh, who would want that. And they're either asking for too much or giving too little back to people. But there's one I saw the other day. It was like, um, yeah, once upon a time in Jerusalem, the fist of Jesus, which it's reminiscent of like uh, the Japanese gore films you have where there's like, uh, one scene where Jesus grabs someone's skull and pulls their spine out and uses it as a sword, which is in one of the uh, passages of the Bible. So I saw this on, um, uh, I think I saw it on Twitter, and then went to Kickstarter and just donated some money to it because, yep, I'm, I'm definitely behind that whole idea. So once upon a time in Jerusalem, uh, if you go to www.fistofjesus.com, uh, you can donate to that project and get it made because I want to see it. Believe me, if Dave says it, it oh, oh fuck, sorry. Who's Dave? If Dino Who's says Dave? it's worth it, it's the guy that just messaged me, which is why so I fucking said podcast, it as host, I was reading. Especially during this podcast. I, oh, it's true.
I have been. You know what? To my other podcast, you are the mistress. To this podcast, he is the mistress. He is the mistress. But um, maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm just a presenter of easy virtue. You're a slut. <laughs> but uh, but, but if Dino work. recommends that you, <laughs> I can change. No, I can't. Um, no, if Dino recommends that you get onto Kickstarter and you give some money for the uh, for the fist of fist of Jesus Christ, uh, once upon a time in Jerusalem. Then uh, I would highly recommend you do as well, and who knows, maybe in the future that can be on the token. It's kind of funny because it's like Kickstarter. I donated to three projects now. One was Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, which is about uh, Satan, and another one was uh, for a satanic comic book, and this one's about Jesus. Yeah. Noticing a theme here. Hmm. What are you looking for? What are you searching for? <laughs> searching for the truth. Truth. Um, just quickly before we get off of the the subject of Jesus Christ, did you recently hear about the uh, the new film that Kevin Smith ha- Kevin Smith is plugging new films of his all the time, new projects coming up. There's um, the one uh, which is based on the Craigslist advert, Krampus trilogy, uh, Krampus anthology anthologies again. This is an anthology film episode, but he's doing an anthology horror film based on this story of Krampus, and then the third one is about a giant mecha Jesus. Sweet Jesus, I heard your jaw drop. I've heard of this one. I've heard of one where oh, is it? they do the revelations thing and all the people go up to heaven and then it's like the people left on earth decide to rebel and go against God. You're not talking about uh, Rapture Palooza, are you? There's another one. I was going to say, because I saw Rapture Palooza a couple of weeks ago and I fucking loved it. It was dreadful, but it was really good. Like, do you know what I mean? I know that's an oxymoronic statement, but it, it just was. Hang on, this is an actual film? Yeah, this is an actual film. That Rapture, oh. Rapture Palooza is available on Netflix. I, I've never actually heard of that. I just heard, like... Um, yeah, no, no there is that. already a, a... It's the second of the Rapture comedies to come out in the last year, uh, along with This Is The End, uh, with Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco and their, their buddies. Their buddies. That was thoroughly enjoyable. Rapture Palooza was um, about a family who, again, were left behind after the rapture. And um, it's uh, the Antichrist. It plays more into the rapture storyline. The Antichrist does come down to Earth. And um, he wants to marry the girl of this the family. And there's the boyfriend as well. And he's like, no. And she's like, no. And they've kind of got to stop. Um, and, I, and without spoiling too much, um, they end up accidentally killing uh, both the Antichrist and God at some point during the movie but yeah very enjoyable um, and the way they uh, take Jesus out is just beautiful so that's Rapture Palooza highly recommended if you like your uh, Rapture based end of world post-apocalyptic comedies who doesn't which we here at the Tits Podcast do I'll definitely check that one out do you want to get into your next one then I know you're looking forward to this go on then as we say on the Tits show better slap the tape in <laughs> From the director of Poltergeist and the writer of Alien comes a terrifying new film. I'm getting a very small radar cross-section. 150 miles long. EGR's confirmed. Tell them we have an artificial object out here. In the tale of Haley's Comet, there's something wrong. Something ancient. Something evil. Jesus. Houston, we have a problem. 1985 saw a plethora of excellent movies released to the cinema. Uh, Back to the Future 1, The Colour Purple, even Cocoon and The Jewel of the Nile. 
and my personal, one of my all-time favourites, the Goonies. Uh, at the same time, Toby Hooper, as we found out it's pronounced, was trying to follow up the success of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And um, in doing so, he's made a film which I I can't say I watched it. I can say I, I endured it. You know, the, the, the other film we've reviewed on this show, uh, Dracula 3000, someone once described Dracula 3000 as something that you wouldn't call shit because that would be an insult to fragrant brown logs everywhere. I would say that this film truly is more than a fragrant brown log. Um, it's life. It's a, a vampire film set in space, obviously sticking with the theme of this week's episode, which I was promised would have uh, lots of space, lots of vampires, and Patrick Stewart. <laughs> what I in fact got was an hour of tits and muff, not enough Patrick Stewart, and a fairly decent drained zombie special effect. Um, the movie is about a group of astronauts who find a ship in Halley's Comet, and within the ship they find these strange bat uh, dead bat creatures. Uh, they explore the ship further and find three humans in cri- in giant crystals. So they decide to and what do they do? They decide to bring them back to Earth, of course. And then disaster uh, ensues. The vampires try and bring about the end of days, and uh, yeah. It's got a whole kind of psychic vampire, space vampire, meta thing going for it. And not one of the ideas works. And it's easily the worst thing I've ever seen Patrick Stewart in as well. And that includes uh, Dune. So um, did you did you um, suffer the indignity of life force? See, it started off really well. A bit in space, the inside of the craft, the, the special effects, the painted backdrops, the big clunky, chunky spacesuits. It felt really nice, like uncomfortable. It was like a Sunday afternoon film uh, from that era. It looked really nice. And then it come down to Earth and everything just went. And it was like, oh, okay. And it's just a bog standard kind of weird thing happening. And yeah. I mean, it did go in some different directions. I mean, the vampires, they consumed life force, uh, hence the title, rather than blood. Um, and then once they changed someone into one of their zombie uh, slash vampire type creatures if they didn't consume someone else's life force within a, a few hours they would disintegrate and, and, and explode into this uh, mess of ash uh, so that was quite interesting um, yeah I like the special effects on that bit as well the um, drain zombie sitting up and... I think that was the best special effect in the whole thing was the drain zombie uh, yeah. and the um, I mean I know the tits were real but the uh, the zombie certainly the, the effect was good it was a fairly British affair as well that's um, actually what made me laugh, really, was, um, is it the world's falling apart? There's like, people rioting in the street, and they go to the Prime Minister's office, and the first mm. thing they get offered is, like, a cup of tea. Do you want a cup of tea? Milk, milk and sugar? <laughs> the, the fucking apocalypse. Yes, 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 there's always time for a bit of PG tips. <laughs> but, yeah, it kind of made me laugh, and it's like, okay, was it a British film? Or was it just set in no, Britain? Because, no, no, it's just set in Britain. It's, um, um, it's uh, Toby Hooper, as we said, and not, not in, uh, the screenplay was actually by a very famous screenplay writer called Dan O'Bannon, who you may recognise from Alien, Total Recall. So it's not like it wasn't his first rodeo. And, yeah, it's, uh, it was an American film just mainly set in England, um, set around London. Uh, the grand finale of the movie was set at St. Uh, Paul's Cathedral. Um, in fact, that's Which where the right next to um, Tower Bridge, apparently. Yes, um, yeah, just... Uh, the wrong side of Tower Bridge as well. Just a weird film I was expecting. Um, basically, Dracula... Sorry, of the two that we've watched this week, Dracula 3000 fell into the category of vampires in space. This is, this kind of falls into the category of vampires from space, 
with tits. With tits and muff. Naked. I'm glad that, glad we don't see the men naked much. Um, but the poor woman um, was naked for the majority of the film. Again, I've got no problem with that. Um, but but uh, Again, when that's the British reaction to it, always like, oh, there's a naked woman walking around the building. It's like, really naked woman? Mm. I'm kind of half expecting the carry on kind of. Oh, look at that! Oh, I say. Um, <laughs> Yes, they took the lady vampire back to a 70s bawdy uh, hospital where all the doctors and nurses like, are you one? Yeah, I am. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yes, it basically ends with uh, the vampires being thwarted, being sent back off into space. Just a weird movie. Um, I don't know if I could recommend it. As I said, out of the two uh, vampires in and from space movies we reviewed this week, I would definitely recommend Dracula 3000 over Life Force. Can you imagine a world where Dracula 3000 is recommended above anything? <laughs> Especially by Toby Hooper. Yeah, exactly. He's got the lineage. Like, we're, I, I can't imagine a world. We, we'd never live in a world where uh, a film with Coolio um, <laughs> talking about um, ejaculating on Aurora's bazongas uh, would ever <laughs> um, take a feature feature place in our in our film of the week. But I do think it was film of the week for, for me. Coolio versus Patrick Stewart, Coolio wins. Yes, Coolio does smack Patrick Stewart down uh, in a gangster's paradise. <laughs> but yes, uh, Dracula 3000, there's not much more I can say about it because I kind of couldn't comprehend what I was watching. Um, <laughs> if you are going to check out a Toby, a Toby Hooper film, please step straight back and check out Texas Chainsaw Massacre because that is what he's known for and for good reason. Um. But yes, that is 1985's Life Force. Point line to control. You'll never believe what I'm looking at. Control, can you say that again? You heard me. There's a girl on the loose in the building. She must not leave. Pardon me, but I thought you said she was naked. That's right. You must find her. Must be some kind of junk. following is brought to you by 8oClockComics.com, the home of really mature comic books. Definitely having a belt drill, mate. 8oClockComics.com, we draw stuff. Okay, boo, after the letdown of Life Force, what have you got for me next week? Make it a good one. I think we're going to leave the realms of Americana and um, move over to our Asian brothers and sisters. I saw a film a while ago that I thought was really cool that I think you'd really dig. That's that's the spirit of Black Belt Jones uh, flowing through me, as I said, the phrase, you'll really dig. Um, I saw a film a while ago that, as I said, I think you really enjoy, um, and that is a about a man protecting Japan in big man Japan. Just think giant man fighting giant monsters uh, in, in, a, in Japanese city. A pre-Pacific Rim um, kind of monster movie. But yeah, I, I, I think it's cool. I'm really looking forward to it again and uh, getting your reaction. Okay, well, speaking of rims, um, I'm going to go with uh, Zombie Ass, Tournament of the Dead this week. Speaking of rims, what a beautiful <laughs> segue. wasn't even rims. Uh, so th- so, sorry, this was Toilet of the Dead. What, what was the first part? It was... Zombie Ass. Zombie Ass, or Ass to our British... <laughs> So, Zombie Ass, Toilet of the Dead. Yeah, Do I really um, need to ask what it's about? 
Um, shit zombies. I've seen a few shit zombie films in my time, but uh, never a film shit about zombie. shit zombies. No. Okay, that 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 sounds uh, scatologically interesting. Uh, if there is such a such a thing. So next week on the Totally Insane Tape Show, we'll be re- checking out Big Man Japan and Zombie Ass Toilet yep. of Dead. And this week's show is sponsored by, as always, Subway. All unofficially, of course, because they are returning their tweets no matter how much we begged them. And, of course, Tassimo T-Discs. You want a coffee? Hit that button. Um, <laughs> yeah, so if you'd like to sponsor us, you know, um, get in touch at the Totally Insane Tape Show at gmail.com or on our Titter account at Tits Podcast. If you bung us a fiver, we'll give you a plug. Absolutely. And if you uh, have a podcast yourself or any other type of programming and you want to do a like-for-like advert swap, uh, then please contact us uh, on the uh, Titter or indeed on our uh, email account. So um, we can safely say that's a wrap, uh, Dean. And my life was been drained from me from doing this show. Absolutely. Um, I'm going off to watch lo- the first hour of Life Force with the mute button on and some tissues. And um, I hope that you'll join myself and Mr. Dino Peppers for episode four of the Totally Insane Tape Show. Where we get some shit on our tits. Shitty titty action. Aurora, baby. It's so nice to see you. Did I ever tell you how many times I see you and want to ejaculate all over your bazonkas? Who this? Make it tell. Who?